Ephesians 5, and as we have been walking through this chapter through the weeks, you have come and you have taught us, you have come by the power of your word and spirit, and we ask that you would do that again. Lord, we are weak and needy sinners. Nothing in our hands we bring, simply to the cross we cling. And Lord, as we read this passage, send your spirit with power. As I preach, send your spirit with, with power. Lord, work in our hearts. We know that there's no hope without that. You coming by the power of your spirit and working in our hearts. Thank you that you are a God who reveals yourself. Reveal yourself. Show us Jesus so that we might be transformed into his very image. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21. 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing. And making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is God's word. Have you ever heard anybody say something like this? You know, I love and need Jesus Christ in my life. I recognize that. I love and I need Jesus Christ in my life, and I recognize that. But I do not love, and I do not need, and I do not even like very much the church. The church has those people in it. And that's a messy business. I love Jesus. I don't love the church. I need Jesus. I don't need the church. You know what? I get it. I mean, if I ask you right now, every one of you, have you, unless you've never been involved in a church, if I asked you, have you ever had a bad experience in a church? We would probably all raise their hands. Look, you have bad experiences where there are people because where there are people, there's sin. I get that. I get that. But in Ephesians 5, the high point of this chapter, the high point of this chapter is verse 25, and we'll cover that next week, but we've been pointing to it every week. Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It, her. 
not it, her. Something that Jesus Christ gives his life for should be, should be vitally important to us. And praise God that Jesus never said, I don't love or need the church. Praise God that Jesus never said, I don't need the church. I'm fine. I'm God. I don't love or need the No, he gave his life for the church. So we've been spending the last few weeks trying to figure out who we are. Who is this her? Who is the bride for whom Christ died? We saw a couple of weeks ago that we walk in love. That's the first step. We love because he first loved us. The better we understand the love of the cross, we better understand how to love others. If we focus on the love of the cross, we can focus on loving others. If we really get the love of the cross, we really get loving others. First two verses in this chapter. And then we we saw that we are to walk not only in love, but walk in light. Over time, this imagery all through this chapter is walking one foot after another, daily walking. We, We put one foot in front of the other and we walk in light. And over time, Jesus becomes more clear to us and we more and more reflect that light to others. As we stand in the light of Christ and love Him, we also love others. We are a light to others. We see Him more clearly and reflect Him more clearly. And we we said that those idols that most of us chase get smaller over time and Jesus Christ gets bigger over time as we walk in light. But we still live in a dark culture. We live in a fallen world. We live in difficult times. We live in a culture of confusion. So how in the world do we live in this world? We need the next step that Paul gives us. We need wisdom. As I said at the beginning of the service, that's not something that we often have conversations about. Wisdom. But we need wisdom. You know, wisdom is, we start to talk about wisdom, let me say this. I really had to, I'm going to be honest with you here. Well, I'm always honest, but I'm going to be especially honest. Don't you love it when people say, I'm going to be honest with you. Well, have you not been honest so far? It's tough to talk about wisdom. My wife sees me wrestle with this stuff during the week. What is that? You know, when we talk about wisdom... It'd be very easy for wisdom to get lost in some kind of abstract haze. You know, picturing somebody in a bathrobe with his legs crossed thinking great thoughts. Or, Or making profound statements. Images of Yoda come in our minds, you know. Or Obi Wan Kenobi, use the force, Luke. Don't go over to the dark side. Whatever images you have of wisdom. That's not biblical wisdom. That is not biblical wisdom. 
We have an entire section of the Bible dedicated to wrestling what, with, with what wisdom is. The wisdom books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon are all talking about wisdom. And they often personify wisdom. They talk about wisdom as though wisdom is a person. So what is it? Well, let me first of all give you a, a kind of a formal definition. There's a man that dedicated, a, an Old Testament scholar, that dedicated most of his life's work to figuring out what wisdom is in the Bible. And his, he was a, a German uh, uh, whose name was Gerhard von Rod. It's just fun to say, Gerhard von Rod. Um, and here's his definition of wisdom. Here it is. It's, okay, it's not bad, but it, I think he gets right to the heart of it. Becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. Pretty simple. Becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. But then he goes on and he says, wise people have knowledge and they have character and they know how to do the right thing. Wisdom is practical in the Bible. In other words, let's put it this way. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is the, the link between knowledge and action. Wisdom is, according to the Bible, is, is the link between knowledge and action. In other words, a lot of us know a lot of stuff and we know a lot of stuff accurately. But sometimes we don't use what we know very well. Maybe at the wrong time. Might be very true, but it's probably not the best time to say it. Or we're doing a lot of stuff and we're very active, but we might be motivated by fear or guilt. Pride. It's wisdom that helps us put those two things together, what we know and what we do. What we know and what we do. And it's something that we walk in and we grow in over time. And Paul goes on to get very specific here. So what does wisdom look like in action? And he talks about our time. He talks about our minds. And he talks about our hearts. He's essentially saying, look at this. This is what wisdom looks like. Knowledge in action in the right way. And he begins by saying, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say best use of your time. Your time. He goes on and says, because the days are evil. He's not primarily talking here about uh, organ getting more organized or keeping a calendar or being more busy. Or not being lazy. All of those things are, are important. But he says, make the best use of your time. This is the first step in wisdom, he says. Make the best use of your time because the days are evil. What is that about? I was listening to an interview with some very discouraged Christians the other day <laughs> who live in a foreign country and are trying to do ministry in a foreign country. And they were talking about how the church is getting smaller and people are not as committed as they used to be and they were discouraged. And they, one, of the, one of the guys who they were talking to in this interview as they're trying to minister the gospel in a foreign country said something I hadn't really thought about before. He said, one of the problems that we have 
is we look around at our culture and we see that what he called the secularization of time. Now, what did he mean by that? He meant by, you know, we have these days like Easter and Christmas and Sunday, you know, the Lord's Day, and all of these important days that used to be very important to us in the past, they're talking about this culture, aren't anymore. People just aren't very serious about these days anymore. And what Paul is saying here, not just about those days, but he's saying this to all of us. The first step is to be deliberate about your time. To think about it, to wrestle with it, to plan it in advance. Yes, lots of things happen that you don't expect. But think through Christ-centered time. And what does that look like in your life? In Colossians 4, 5, Paul says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to give an answer to each person. You don't, in other words, you don't just fall into wisdom. And the first step is thinking through deliberately deliberately about how you spend your time. Whether you're young or old, a new Christian, been a Christian for a long time, he's saying think deliberately about your time. When you step out your front door every day, you don't know what's going to happen, but think deliberately about it. One of my uh, favorite theologians, some of you will know of him, Frodo Baggins, uh, from uh, the, the, the Lord of the Rings once said something very profound. He's being called to go on a quest. He's being called to go on a journey. He's being called to go on a road. And he says this. It's a dangerous business going out your front door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no telling where you'll be swept off to. And he's talking to all the hobbits as they're about to go off. Paul is saying, think about your time. Be deliberate about it. Now, look, I can't um, uh, give you your application of this necessarily. Some of you need to be more active. Some of you need to be less active. Some of you need to talk more. Some of you need to talk less. Some of you need to be home more. Some of you need to be home less. Whatever it is for you. The old King James Version says, walk, walk circumspectly. What does that mean? Uh, Literally, heedfully, thinking in advance, thinking through things in advance. You know, I heard somebody say recently, I won't forget this, every one of us has a certain number of ticks in our hearts. And one day those ticks are going to stop. And I don't mean those little things that get on you and bite you. I mean like a clock. Those of you who have snow on the roof and have been around for a while, you know how fast time goes by. What are you doing with it? And again, some of you, some of you need to say no more. Some of you need to say yes more. But he's saying, be deliberate. Be deliberate. 
wise people are deliberate about the use of their time. You might figure, you might notice something you've never seen before. A few years ago, I volunteered as a guinea pig to do an experiment at a local dental school. And <laughs> one of the things I had to do, this is not too gross, I'm just going uh, to, one of the things I had to do is I had to make a record and keep a journal of every single thing, no jokes, every single thing that I put in my mouth for two months. Everything. Wow. I, 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 until I was deliberate about what I was eating, I never even thought about it. It was amazing. I changed my diet and they changed my diet and all of that went on. Think through your time. Deliberately. That's the first step. You don't fall into wisdom. Be deliberate about your time. Secondly, minds. Therefore, don't be foolish, Paul says. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Has there ever been a culture in, in the history of the world that's had more information, more data, and less wisdom? And that's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, we, we, have, we have so much information and so much data coming at us and, and do we know how to process it? Do we know how to apply it? Do we know what it means? And look, I'm all for tweeting and texting and emailing and Facebooking. All of those things are, are fine when used wisely. When used wisely. But we live in a high-speed world and wisdom takes patience. It's hard to develop wisdom in a soundbite culture. It is very difficult to develop wisdom in a soundbite, high-speed culture. And that's why some of this might even sound strange. Well, be deliberate. Yeah, slow down and think about it, essentially. He's saying... Um, we, we have all of this coming at us from so many different directions. And we want shortcuts. We want three steps. We want bottom line, simple answers. In other words, we don't want to walk in wisdom necessarily. We want to backflip and somersault in wisdom. Where it's a walk over time. And we don't we, wouldn't you agree, that we live in a world that is starved for contentment and fulfillment and true relationships. We communicate with each other, but we don't know each other. And, and our culture is starved. And if we, should, if, if we should be able to find it anywhere, it ought to be here. Real friendship, real friendship, Real fellowship, real relationships. We ought to be able to find that here. Don't be foolish, but understand the will, what the will of the Lord is. You know, the, the, in most Bible translations, the very first word of the very first sentence of the very first psalm is the word what? Blessed or blessed. You know what that word means? It means complete... Fulfillment and contentment. 
And the very first word, the very first sentence of the very first psalm or song of the song book of the Bible is the word for contentment, fulfillment, deep happiness. And then it goes on, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. There's that word walk again. Stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. On God's revelation, God's word to us, he meditates. She meditates day and night. What does that mean? It means as a lifestyle. We are drawing up all of the the nutrients that are there for us in the Bible. The Bible, it's saying in a very real sense, is a feast. It feeds us. This word meditation means chewing, swallowing, digesting. And then the image in the psalm of growth, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, is a tree bearing fruit. Over time, as it sucks up nutrients by water. That should be us, he's saying. This this vivid picture of a lifestyle of seeking to understand. A lifestyle of seeking to not be foolish, but to understand. Taking in God's directions, God's word. In Proverbs 8. Wisdom, again, is portrayed as a person in Proverbs 8.1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Forever finds me, finds life. And obtains favor from the Lord. We walk in wisdom. We walk in seeking to understand, seeking to grow. We engage... Our minds, our time and our minds, with God's Word, with God's Word. Our hearts, thirdly, our hearts, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything. You know, everything we've said so far really should come with a warning label. Here's the warning label. Don't try this without the Holy Spirit. Don't try this at home without the Holy Spirit. In other words, you remember when the Holy Spirit was first poured out in Acts, people looked at the Holy Spirit being poured out and they thought these people were drunk. It was the Holy Spirit. He's saying here essentially... You can try valiantly to change yourself. You can't. A a car won't run. A vehicle won't run on, on no fuel. 
The Holy Spirit is the fuel, the energy, the catalyst for the biblical model of wisdom. So run to Christ, trust, trust Christ. Something supernatural needs to happen in, in your life if you don't know Christ. It would be amazing if you, could look at, <laughs> if you could look at the rest of everybody in here and suddenly our hearts were showing, our true hearts. What, what would it be like if suddenly we looked around at each other and saw what we're really like on the inside? Suddenly we're exposed and suddenly we become on the outside what we are on the inside. I don't want that. I, I'd lose my job, I think. What would happen if you suddenly looked on the outside what you are on the inside? What would be revealed? What language would your heart speak? Sometimes we can, uh, to get to these kind of questions with a children's story, one of my favorite children's stories, uh, as you might imagine, uh, it's from The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And the book starts out, very first line, this children's book. There once was a boy named Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. And Eustace Clarence Scrub was a nasty, mean, selfish, isolated, prideful boy. Nobody liked him. He didn't like anybody. And suddenly, one day, he becomes, in this children's story, on the outside, what he is on the inside. Some of you may remember, what does he become on the outside? He becomes a a large, tough, fire-breathing, scaly dragon. And people really don't want to have anything to do with him now. He becomes, his heart shows, and he becomes this terrible monster. And he begins to realize over time where he is, who he is. He begins to be greatly convicted and sorrowful in his isolation and lack of friendship and lack of fellowship and lack of community. He begins to recognize the hardness of his heart. The scales on his outside, outside of his heart. And he is uh, suddenly confronted with his own sin and his own selfishness and the reality of his own heart. And he comes face to face with this big golden Christ figure in in this book, um, Aslan, who's the figure of Christ in the book. And Aslan approaches him and changes him. And he has to, he, he submits, he um, lays over, he, he, lets, he lets Aslan tear these scales off. And he had tried in his life over and over and over to rip the scales off, to change himself, to go back to being a boy, and he got nowhere. And he runs to Aslan, and Aslan turns him over, 
And, and he says this, The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And it hurt, but he's changed. The scales come off. He's thrown into some water. He comes out of the water. Aslan dresses him and he becomes a boy again. It's a picture of rebirth, being born again, regeneration. It's a picture of the inside changing and it shows on the outside. People who are walking and growing in wisdom, the difference between inside and outside gets smaller and it shows. We could put it this way. What you see is what you get. What you see is Christ and you get Christ. Over time, in the lives of Christians who have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, even though at times it hurts. You know, sometimes... Grace is wonderful. Sometimes grace hurts. Because God loves you as his child. And is conforming you to his image. And he is a loving father. And you, you fathers, you mothers, you know. Sometimes he does hard things with us. But this is what flows out of the heart. And he says it here. This is what will flow out of the heart when we're changed, when the Holy Spirit comes in, when we're converted, worship and thanksgiving and submission. That's an interesting one. We'll hear more about that next week. That's a transitional verse. We'll hear about that next week. But worship, thanksgiving, submission, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. He's saying, isn't it wonderful? And it should be. I hope it is. When we hear each other sing, our singing directed at God and we hear each other. When we pray with one another and we hear one another's prayers. When we read the Bible together and we hear the Bible read by others. We join in that worship focused on God, but hearing one another and building one another up. Wise people worship. Wise people worship. Wise people are thankful people, people full of gratitude, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Real, genuine, changed hearts that produce Gratitude spontaneously, should spontaneously overflow into praise. Praise is inner health made audible. Praise is inner health made audible. Wise people worship. Wise people are full of gratitude and thanksgiving. Spontaneous, it flows out and we grow in it as we walk over time. Wise people submit and serve one another. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another because of Christ. 
out of reverence for Christ. This word submit, by the way, we're going to hear this, you know, they're talking about submit next week even more. This word submit, you know, it's a military term. It's a Greek military term, and it means giving something up for the benefit of others. It means sacrificing something for the benefit of others. You know, if you're in the Army or the Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, you don't set your own time. You get up at a certain time, go to bed at a certain time. Somebody tells you what to do. You sacrifice your own individuality for the larger group, for the mission, for the battle. I... I've said this before, and you'll probably hear me say it again, but I, I've learned so much, quite frankly, from my son, who's been in combat a number of times. Uh, my son is a paratrooper. Yes, he jumps out of perfectly good airplanes and is surrounded by bad people on the ground. I don't know where he gets that. Obviously, as I said before, obviously takes after his mother. You know, he's tough. But But I'll never forget when he came back from his, on his first leave from being in combat. And you know, you're not supposed to talk about combat with somebody who's been in combat, but I could tell he was open. So tell me what it was like. What's it like to be in combat? You know, I don't know too many people who have been in in, uh, combat. What is it essentially all about? What is it essentially all about? He said this. He said, Dad, I don't like... He's in his, you know, early 20s. I don't like or get along with or spend a lot of time with, with some of the guys that I go into battle with and I go out on a mission with, but I would give my life for every one of them. I may not like them. I may not always get along. I'd give, I'll never forget that. I can, see, I can see his eyes right now telling me that. So that's the gospel. That's the church. We don't always like each other. We're not always best buddies, but I'd give my life for every one of them. I'd give my life for every one of them. Ultimately, let me close with this. Ultimately, we find wisdom. Here's what makes Christianity ultimately unique. We find wisdom in a person. And if we don't have that person, we don't find wisdom. And that person is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Where's the one who is wise? This is in verse 20, chapter 1, verse 20. Where's the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through its wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Jews demand signs. Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus walked before us and went to the cross so that we can follow Him and go to glory. Jesus walks before us and goes to the cross so that He can walk with us by the power of the Holy Spirit in this life every day. Day after day after day. He went to the cross. He walked to the cross. He bore the cross so that He can be right now, today, our wisdom. Your wisdom. I'll close with this. There was a man who lived a long time ago who was in a situation not unlike ours and a lot of people were looking at the church and saying, who are those people? What are they all about? What's important to them? He was living in a hostile culture. All kinds of accusations were coming at the church. Defend yourself. Who are you? Tell us who you are. People weren't quite sure the, ho- the, the culture was hostile. And this is what he said. He's a man named Tertullian, and he lived a long time ago. But listen to this. It could have been written today. This is what he says about us, the church. We're a body knit together by a profession of faith and a bond of common hope. We meet together as an assembly and congregation and we offer up prayer to God with unity and we wrestle with Him in our supplications. We wrestle with Him in our supplications. We have a real relationship. We pray too for the emperors and for all who are in authority, for the welfare of the world, and we pray for peace. We assemble, we gather together to read our sacred writings. And with these writings, we nourish our faith, animate our hope, and make our confidence more steadfast. And make our confidence more steadfast. On a monthly day, if he likes, each puts in a donation, all is voluntary. But it is mainly our deeds of love that lead others to describe us. See, they say, how they love one another. See, they say, how they love one another. May that be us. May that be us as we walk in love, as we walk in light, and as we walk in wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would be characterized by the love of Christ, that our lives would look like love, that our hearts would show, and the language of our hearts would be love and light and wisdom, knowing how to to link what we know and what we do, and we'd be growing in in the likeness of him who is wisdom. And all of this because of your grace, because of the Holy Spirit coming into our hearts and, and making a home there and, and, and 
conducting a, a renovation project inside and making us, by grace and in his sovereignty, more like Jesus. And Lord, we pray that uh, we would be people, a group, a family, a body of love. Love for one another. And we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful passage, Ephesians 5. And Lord, we never, never, ever forget that Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.